rise up, young man. Rise up, young lady. You are not alone. No matter what you're going through, it is going to pass. You're going to come out the other side. Keep shining. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of You Are Not Alone podcast by Mamba Inspire Brand. Like the title suggests, the purpose of this podcast is to help people out there who are going through unimaginable struggles know that they are not alone and believe that they will come out on the other side. Beautiful morning, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much for giving us your time today. Today we have a special guest with us here, Eri. Is that how you say it, right? Yes, Eri. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. How it's are you? It's a cold day. Yeah, <laughs> freezing <laughs> outside. It's freezing. See, yesterday I... It was raining, but it wasn't that cold. This mm. morning, I thought it was okay, but couldn't feel. I was riding my bike to the gym. I couldn't feel oh my no, head. Oh, yeah. Me either, and I was walking. <laughs> yeah. So you're just finishing uh, exam week, right? Yeah, so I had three midterms this week. Yeah. How's that? I'm glad they're over. <laughs> <laughs> Is the first round? Yeah, and then there's one in two weeks and one in three weeks, so it's okay. Wow. So let's go back to the beginning. So... You were born in Nigeria, yes, right, and you immigrated here around the age of thirteen. Yes, right. Tell me about that. What was like moving from Nigeria and coming here at that age? Um, uh, it's it's quite interesting because when I first moved here, I moved to the Katy area. Mm-hmm. So I went to a middle school in Katy called um, Midi Creek Middle School. All white school. <laughs> <laughs> Not really, actually. It was a it was a good mix, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we we're like on like the edge of the district, so it wasn't very like rich Katy area. Mm-hmm. Um, I was in seventh grade, and it was just very underwhelming. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, classes weren't a struggle. Making friends wasn't a struggle. I wow. didn't feel. Because I was young, I wasn't thinking too deep about anything. Mm-hmm. I didn't feel like any sort of culture shock in that time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in January 2014, um, I moved back to Nigeria. So wow. <laughs> I was in Nigeria from January to August 2014, and I moved back here again. Mm-hmm. And I started high school. Uh, so I skipped eighth grade, started high school because we moved to A Leaf, which is. Uh, international district area in Houston. Mm-hmm. Um, and I went to this magnet high school called Kerr High School. Mm-hmm. And there was, it was totally different. Like one, it was like- From Katie. Yeah, like yeah. 70% Asian, like 16, um, a mix of like Hispanic and black people. And then like 3% white. Mm-hmm. And um, the school was um, on the, like uh, accelerated curriculum. Mm-hmm. So everything we, we did was in a semester. So wow. taking like world history in a semester, AP calculus in a semester. So everything was just moving very fast and I never had enough time to actually like enjoy my moment and like learn the new cultures I was in. I just kept going and going. Yeah, because you had to move fast. <laughs> yeah, and I think that coming into Austin and coming to UT, is like my new like <laughs> like my new immigration experience because <laughs> I feel like I am now in America like I'm now like experiencing like things I haven't like seen before like Houston's very comfortable mm-hmm. because there's people and there's church and then there's food like I never had to like think too much about anything but now it's like oh the African store is like 
well, now we're way with the bus, <laughs> and I have to take two buses and walk on the highway to get there. <laughs> wow. It's like otherwise, like the African source was in my backyard in Houston. Wow. So just ha- having to like realize, wow, things are really different. Wow, <laughs> that's crazy. I, I, in my opinion, I was thinking like Houston was uncomfortable because oh. it's so big, mm. but uh, y- you have to have it right to go mm-hmm. everywhere. Mm-hmm. So. You feel like you are in this box, but mm. it's so big, and you you cannot move as much as you want. I feel that because for me it was just like church, home, school, church, home, school. Yeah. <laughs> so it actually, that was like, but I never just thought about it. I was just like, I'm going to school, I'm going yeah. to church, I'm going home, like nothing. So what was uh, what was the moves? Uh, so you moved here at thirteen. So I'm guessing middle school, mm. and then you had to go back and back. What was those changes? Were they trying to see? Were your parents trying to see if this was the best thing for you? No, or? my parents were going to move back after spending five months here because yeah. they're like, "This is not what we expected." For real. Um, you know why they moved in the beginning initially? Oh, uh, so my dad got a job um, at Slumberjay. Oh wow! So he got moved here as a manager, and those five months, it was like it was home because mm. my dad usually was never home because he always had to travel for work. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was home, but he was always busy. And I think being in Nigeria, like, we're able to save more, but here was, like, can't even save anything because exactly. he need money for everything. Yeah. So I think those experiences were new to him. And the reason why he wanted to move to the first place was to actually be home mm-hmm. with the family, and that wasn't, like, happening. So I think, like, they were ready to go back, and I went back alone first because I could catch so I could catch up with school. Exactly. Yeah, so I went back, and that was, like, second term um, in Nigeria. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow, definitely. I know many people, many engineers usually who get hired by, by these big companies when they come here, especially from Africa, it's like mm. you have to grind. Yeah. Like, you know, to just stay at your place, mm-hmm. coming from another country, you have to really prove, and sometimes... Uh, especially people like us who come from African countries, we feel like we have to work t- twice as mm-hmm. hard to just... Yeah, even if no one is requiring the view, you just feel the pressure too. Exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. But you came here, so let's... Going back to, to care, when you started care, when you came back the second time, it looked like you already understood that you needed to grind mm. to, 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 to start building your legacy, <laughs> right? It, it, it was time. Like, you felt like you had the responsibility to do your hardest and be sure that you do good in school mm. because, you know, you had control in your life, right? Uh. Uh, <laughs> some kind of way. Yeah. Some kind of way. But what was that... Uh, what were you being told at home? Like, what was your parents' style of... Uh, how to call it, teaching you as far as a school and expectation or a privilege mm-hmm. for you? I, I think my parents have always been supportive and they've never been like, I need to get like these grades. Yeah. Like, But I know that they do expect good of me because they see my potential. Mm-hmm. And um, like, it's very interesting because they try to not be too involved, mm-hmm. to not like show us your grade report, why is this is this? But just like checking off on me and like, are you not sleeping, you're not eating, like, Wow. <laughs> and that means <laughs> they trust you. They know you go hard. Yeah, yeah they, they know I do. Especially after spending those um, six, seven months in Nigeria, mm-hmm. like by myself in boarding school. Like, uh, I think after that, they were like, yeah, she, she can handle it. But I know in high school, they were concerned if I could take care of myself because I wasn't taking care of myself as much. And they still always stick up on me to make sure I am. Um, but I am the first kid out of 
four. Mm-hmm. So I was kind of like a mom to my three siblings. Are you also. the first one? Yeah. Wow. And my youngest, no, my the brother after me is turning 11 next month. Wow. It's next month in two months. I <laughs> <laughs> should know. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's February, still February. Yeah. Uh, but he's turning 11, and I'm 19 now. So then it really felt like I had to um, be there after school, take care of them. Like, mm-hmm. my parents were relying on me in a way, even though they never, like, said, like, we depend on you. Like, it felt like they did. Mm-hmm. So I always think they've always tr- just treated me, like, with more, like, responsibility and trust. Wow. Do you feel like you... I know you f- you have to be the role model for your siblings, but do you feel like you cannot fail because <laughs> your siblings supposed to go after you, right? If you fail, it's like letting them down. You have to prove to them that it's possible for them to be successful. Actually, no, not really. Um, like my parents, uh, my parents, my siblings are like young, young, yeah, and. Right now, I don't think they understand like what failure means. At mm-hmm. least not in my context. So mm-hmm. I'm never like scared of feelings going to like affect their image of me. Mm-hmm. But I definitely like think about like my actions, <laughs> like and how they would see it and the influence it could have on them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I never really think about like trying to be a role model, role model for my siblings. Yeah. So you got involved in uh, high school a lot since you came back here. Uh, I care, and one of the things you participated in UIL competition. <laughs> she looked me up. <laughs> UIL competition. And uh, so I saw an article with you and your friend, uh, and you, after you won the competition and you were looking for a job, and one thing you said was that, <laughs> one thing you said was that it's like you need a job, and one of the requirements for you is that it's something pertaining to your what you want to do mm. in life as far right yeah so it looked like you had a straight mind to what you wanted to do from the beginning you knew you <laughs> did accounting and you knew you wanted to do business <laughs> when exactly did you know that uh, <laughs> it's very <laughs> funny because uh when i was in nigeria um so there's three tracks there's um humanities and then there is like business like Mm -hmm. commerce and then there's um science Mm -hmm. and i was in humanities and i was considering switching to science uh because i was good at math i was like yeah it should should be fine Mm -hmm. i'm so glad i did not but business was never in my mind like i never ever thought about about business until i took an accounting class in high school Mm -hmm. my sophomore year i was like oh this is interesting like it's like a puzzle and i'm like fixing numbers and putting things in place like i can do this and um, the teacher happens to be my favorite teacher, Miss Curry. Um, and I just enjoyed the class so much that I decided to join the competition when mm-hmm. she asked for people to join. So I started sophomore year till senior year um, doing those competitions. Um, and I never thought about doing business long term. Mm-hmm. But my thought was like, I want to like help people. I want to make impact in some way. And it wasn't until my junior year, senior year of high school, it's like maybe business like crossed with social impact can be possible. And I think that interview was the summer after my junior year. Mm. So I knew that whatever I wanted to do can be as simple as like, it can be like something that someone else can easily do. It's like something that I can actually contribute to. Mm-hmm. And I actually did not get a job that summer. <laughs> <laughs> Um, what happened that summer? I not I don't remember, but I know I didn't get a job, 
and but I did get a job the following summer, and it was a nonprofit. Mm. And it was very interesting because I got to like use the things I learned in a different way. So I was like um, create like a database for yeah. them. Wow. And uh, it was just actually looking back, like I think in that moment, like if I had known what the MIS major was, yeah, I might have like done that from the beginning but now i am an mis major mm -hmm. but i've just always really um be interested at the intersection of business and technology and social impact so wow yeah that's cool that's cool as a high schooler too <laughs> right? so you came to you came to ut austin mm. right so i'm sure in nigeria when you were in nigeria you were a school full of people that look like you mm smart people do, <laughs> right then you came to you came to care right mm -hmm. and it, it was diversity uh, as far as majority of asians mm -hmm. right but for somewhat everybody is kind of more like an immigrant right and mm -hmm. stuff like that you came to ut not so many people <laughs> look like you right yeah. you have fifty thousand people here and mm -hmm. eight percent black people i know one thing that the teachers in our homes african homes is that you have confidence mm. believe who you are you go out there you be whoever you want to be mm. right we have it's just known like we have we are people with confidence we have mm. dignity and confidence right but you come here did you feel like any sudden reduction of anti like any intimidation anything like that uh imposter syndrome yeah in your um, classes Definitely not while attending general like classes at UT. Mm -hmm. um, like I've always just noticed, like, damn, I'm the only black woman in here. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, How does like, that make you feel? Because some people feel intimidated, but some people feel like, okay, I need to make sure I'm good. You know, it's it's interesting because like it's made me want to be in spaces I don't see other black people in. Mm -hmm. So like, um, being on the advisory board for singers, like. I'm the only black person there, and I know like I can't represent all black people, but my input here would be great. Mm -hmm. um, but I think like the most intimidation I felt is definitely my honors classes, because mm -hmm. I only applied for honors last minute. Like I just saw on the website, I was like, cool, I'll apply. Mm -hmm. uh, I didn't really think too much about it, and then I got in, and suddenly I'm in this room of kids. They're like really smart, really impressive. I've done like really great things in high school and mm. what did i do <laughs> so uh it was just interesting because like they always speak with such like confidence mm. and they intern with their dad and yeah yeah such assurance and they have all these experiences that I've, i can't even like think about having mm -hmm. and uh i say like i still struggle in like being more engaged and active in those classes my own classes because i just i don't have like um that kind of experiences they do and it just shocks me like how they're always just so confident <laughs> <laughs> and even when they're wrong and like also <laughs> always so assertive with like their opinions in class and I'm like that's interesting like I've never had a class experience like this before like my high school was very like teach yourself this is the material textbook figure it out <laughs> and yeah. I enjoyed that so it's just different being classes that require um, like active participation mm -hmm. and when your classmates are like really active it's just it makes me feel like I I have to contribute more even though I don't want to feel pressured to um, and like my class I believe my class 
is the one that has the most black people in it. Um, so there's like 11 of us. Mm-hmm. And all the classes have like two or three. <laughs> so uh, I'm glad that I always have like a friend in most of my classes. So in my statistics class, my accounting class, my finance class, um, my, like I have like other like one other black person or two other black people in there. Mm-hmm. So uh, I guess in that way, like I always feel more comfortable when it's someone else. But when it's just me, like I have a tendency to just like not talk or just like nod and take notes. Mm. Um, yeah. yeah, I heard somebody say confidence make wrong look right. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely, you, you said they even when they wrong, they confident. <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. But so one thing I notice about you is you are you have a deep passion for entrepreneurship, right? And mm-hmm. one thing you mentioned earlier is the fact that you did you you were in humanities mm-hmm. uh, earlier in Nigeria, right? Yeah. You're in humanities, so I feel like humanities is more related to non-profit and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So you had that passion. I'm sure also another thing from very common African countries, kids learn what it means to help people, mm-hmm. right? We live in a village atmosphere, right? Mm-hmm. Social atmosphere where we are expected to be out there and contribute the best way we can as far as helping mm-hmm. families, the older, our elders and stuff like that, right? So... Now you are very involved in entrepreneurship. First of all, what are can you talk about the companies that that you are involved in, the organizations? I know you are in Cell. Yeah, so I'm uh, I'm the ideator programming lead for um, Social Entrepreneurship Learning Lab. Mm-hmm. I'm also co-director of Social Justice uh, for Students for Equity and Diversity, which is an agency under the Multicultural Engagement Center (EIGT). And on the advisory board for um, single learning center, I would say I'm not, I'm not very involved in entrepreneurship and like in general. Mm-hmm. And it's one thing I realized last semester that entrepreneurship and the way it looks like right now was not something I want to be involved in. Mm-hmm. So the um, process of starting something to like make change is what I'm interested in. But mm-hmm. right now, like, entrepreneurship just seems as a way of like building wealth, which is great. Like it mm-hmm. is great when you just like start like an enterprise or a startup, like like to solve a problem or to build wealth. But mm-hmm. I know a lot of people like really, cause I learned that in my class and I was like, people will actually start enterprises like to build wealth. Like I didn't think about it. Yeah. And like, that's one of the reasons why like the phrase social entrepreneurship as being problematic for a while because people can never like reconcile like helping people, building wealth, making money. Like, how does that combine? Mm-hmm. And so people like make that happen in a way, and that's great. But for me, like, my number one focus is that like meaningful, lasting impact. Mm. So I don't know if the word entrepreneurship covers that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was gonna ask you about that. What entrepreneurship meant, but but I feel like so. so Entrepreneurship, I think the wealth part, even let's take social entrepreneurship. Yes, the the passion, the, the why, the purpose is to go out there and help people, right? But sometimes you wonder how can we make this sustainable? And maybe the way to make it sustainable is by finding a way to generate income and use that to... No, no that's totally not, like, um, it's not contradiction. Like, of course, like, like, you can, you always have to make, like revenue income, mm-hmm. 
but it just cannot be in the number one movie yeah, exactly and I it see can't what you're and it can't like for me i am more interested in using capital as a way of driving impact mm-hmm. we're like oh i'm helping people and i'm also making money it's like it's hard to like reconcile those ideas for mm-hmm. me because it just seems like you can't be selfish as it's trying to be selfless like mm. it, it, it can't go together and some people try to like make that balance mm. but i think like the most important thing is actually putting the people that you're trying to impact first and sometimes that means not having like um a traditional revenue model mm. so like one example that comes to my mind is this um organization in india called force india mm-hmm. and they work with um like water con- conservation and um, making sure that communities have access to like clean practices mm-hmm. and because they work with so many people they work with the government some um, non-profit experts like they also have to be a non-profit to like fit in that space so like for me it's like i would rather see people like say i want to help people um and i'm going to do that i'm going to do so in a way that actually is helping them mm-hmm. and not also like meeting my goals in some way mm. i think like being honest in that process is very important um, like, if you want to help people make money, like, okay, be clear on that. Like, don't try to look selfless while you still have, like, self- selfish motives. Exactly. <laughs> and I think, like, last semester, I really recognized, like, I'm, like, more interested in making sure that effective solutions and effective enterprises mm. that are actually solving problems first and everything else comes later. Like, if we need to sell a product to run, then sure. But... Our first priority is making sure we actually have an impact. Wow. Wow. So I really agree with you on, on that. And uh, I feel like, yes, there are some people out there who go, the goal is to make money and stuff like that. But for me, I cannot see that kind of mindset succeeding. Mm-hmm. I feel like you have to have a why to, mm-hmm. to back that up. Because any challenge out there worth solving gonna come with a wall mm. and one day you're gonna hit it there's nothing that's gonna be just f- let's make money gonna motivate you to go through that wall you have mm. to have something bigger like a why something outside of yourself something i feel like to be an entrepreneur even though you're gonna you may eventually make a lot of money like jeff Be- even jeff bezos for example let's say jeff bezos bill gate right mm. Yes, they made so much money, but I don't feel like the goal was to make money from the yeah. beginning. It was like this: this is an issue, and I feel like it's, let's solve it, and the solution gonna bring a value to this world. Yeah, I, I I can definitely agree with that, but I don't think there is not like no presence mm-hmm. of like selfish motives too. Yeah, and that's like it's not a wrong with that. Like, of course, you always have to think about your own goals, but just be clear and honest. Exactly. Um, especially with yourself as you go through that process, mm-hmm. and uh, like it's different when you're trying to solve a problem that you care about mm-hmm. than when you're trying to make impact. Yeah, and I think if like Amazon's number one goal was to um, like create sustainable online like merchandise whatever mm-hmm. like they would make sure their employees like treat it well they will make sure whatever they're doing is in affecting the environment in a negative way mm-hmm. like all of that would have been there from the beginning mm. but because the goal was to just was sell books mm-hmm. was that what it was like it wasn't like really thinking about like the impact it was mm-hmm. making mm-hmm. um so even if it's just a regular enterprise like i always encourage people to think about like 
the negative impact that might come from this. Like, if we thought about how this will affect people and how this will affect systems, things like that. Wow. Wow. So I def- I feel like your entrepreneurship comes in so many different ways, yeah, right? Yeah, for sure. I like to see it as hustling, <laughs> right? Hustling your own way and stuff like that. What? Just give a little. What? What's? What does entrepreneurship mean to you, personally? I like to think of entrepreneurship in a generous sense of, um, creating something to meet like a goal. Like, and I want to use that general like tr- like definition because mm-hmm. so many people call call themselves entrepreneurs and mm-hmm. i don't want to be like no you are not like who am i <laughs> to define what entrepreneurship means mm-hmm. so like having that general sense of like okay entrepreneurship is like starting something new mm-hmm. to me the problem that you see mm-hmm. and it can be in different forms it could be starting um a podcast mm-hmm. it could be starting a newsletter it could be starting a non-profit it could be starting a business like it can take different forms depending mm-hmm. on what you're trying what the goal is um, so yeah, I would use that general definition. One thing that I really uh, I was excited when I was learning about you is your uh, your passion about uh, helping students from African countries. Mm-hmm. Uh, you as a social entrepreneur who's who's is that your minor, right? Social entrepreneurship is yeah, your it's minor? a certificate. Okay, it's a certificate, like. You said one of your goal is to be able to do that to go to work with African country. I I'm I really passionate about that too, <laughs> and I'm actually I'm trying to figure out a way to start right now this mm-hmm. summer and stuff like that. Have you thought about what you wanna do when the time comes? Oh, uh, this is the question I <laughs> I have thought too much about what I want to do, and it's actually made me sad because mm-hmm. I keep thinking, can I actually do this? Like, is this possible? Mm. Um. I know I, I, I don't know where you read this from, <laughs> but uh, one thing I always say is that my number one goal is to um, help others realize their potential. Mm. And this year I, has really been a growing year for me because, not this year, but this school year has been a growing year for me. Um, learning about um, the systems in place that has created like a lack of spread of opportunity. Mm-hmm. And like I've always known that I want to work with communities and empower young people mm. in those communities. So empowering young people to not just be um, like in transition between being a kid and an adult, mm. but I believe young people have a very special thing to contribute. Definitely. And being able to help in their in that recognition of their potential and helping them have opportunities. Is definitely uh, my goal. The how is a big question. Like I do not know how. Mm-hmm. I have good ideas of how I could try. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I am doing my best to not stick Rush. too much yeah. to one like idea. I tend to do that where I'm like I made up my mind. <laughs> yeah. Can't change it. I see what you're saying. Uh, yeah. So like I know my goal is to help other people especially Nigerian young people realize their potential, the how, I will leave up to questions for now. Well, I definitely, I, I grew up in Guinea too, mm-hmm. and uh, actually I came to the U.S. around 12, 13, mm-hmm. between 12 and 13, and uh, I definitely wasn't the smartest person in the classroom mm-hmm. <laughs> in Guinea, right? It may seem here, but in Guinea, <laughs> in Guinea, no. 
at all and uh, I, I remember th- we had smart people in this mm. classroom number one number two and I went back for the first time and I saw this guy he was he was driving a taxi cab mm. right and that's because the lack of jobs and stuff like that in Guinea I feel like there are so many kids out there who are so do genius wise and all they need to have is some kind of maybe even a book to start mm-hmm. like or an opportunity right an mm-hmm. opportunity that we were given and stuff like that and i feel like having even a library like build a library in a school mm-hmm. where kid can whenever they get a chance can come and stay there and have the ability to read all the books they want right <laughs> that's so hilarious because i did that once like my mom was a teacher mm-hmm. and i read all the books in her school's library <laughs> and For it was just like storybooks it wasn't like anything like yeah serious but i i do i i definitely agree with that. i'm sorry do i interrupt you no okay. no no that's perfect mm. that's what i feel like there's a wall out there and one that one of the thing like the students in many students in african countries are not how to call it expanding all their mm. potential right they do not have the opportunity to expand all their potential right i feel like if they get to know what's out there that's why well they'll be able to dream more right mm. because when you see something in a book that wow i can't dream i can't think more on this side of mm-hmm. the world right? if they read book, a book about aerospace engineering mm-hmm. they're gonna start thinking about the stars right they're gonna start oh maybe i i can do this right there's a guy uh, i think in uganda right his village didn't have what was lucky water right it was a period of drought then he had to fix the problem bring water to his village so he went to the library and found books about water right the solution wasn't exactly in the books but the fact that he read those books he was able to come up with solutions and build a what's the name of it a windmill oh. in his village and they brought water to the village and the agricultural still were able to produce food right mm-hmm. so i feel like there's that little thing it's not because we they don't have potential it's just because there's not that right opportunity for mm-hmm. them to activate that potential so there you have it people thank you so much for tuning into the mamba inspire you are not alone podcast we have another great story next episode make sure you subscribe to our youtube channel twitter and instagram for updates look up mamba inspire